Do you understand the ramifications that this case could have? It was supposed to be a system that, that benefited all sides. So here's the $64,000 question. COVID-19, in my opinion, is the meteorite that hit the earth. It's headed to the Supreme Court in a bunch of different lanes. Tell us about that. Welcome to Civilly Speaking with host Sean Harris. Each month, Civilly Speaking brings you interviews on practical and timely legal issues on the local and national level. We hope these stories inspire you and remind you of the impact we have as advocates for our clients. We'll see you here on the next episode of Civilly Speaking. Hello, and welcome to Civilly Speaking, OAJ's podcast for trial lawyers by trial lawyers. I'm your host, Sean Harris, and today we're talking about Supreme Court races and how you can make a difference. Uh, Before we get started, a quick sponsor message. NFP Structured Settlements is a leader in the structured settlement industry, offering comprehensive value-added services to both insurers and injured people. Our dedicated and experienced claims, legal, and settlement professionals strive to help injured parties maximize their benefits and assist all parties in an effort to settle cases effectively and efficiently. Visit nfpstructures.com to learn more. Well, I'm so excited today. We have two presidents with us. We have both OAJ President Sidney McClafferty and the Michigan Association for Justice President, Stuart Sklar. Sydney, Stuart, thanks both of you for joining us here on Civilly Speaking. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Sean. You know, in a, in a previous episode, we talked a lot about uh, the races on the ballot in, in this year's election. Today, we want to focus on uh, some of the big races that will have, a, obviously, a major impact on what uh, OAJ members do every day trying to help injured folks. And, of course, that would be the Supreme Court races. Sydney, let's start uh, with the basics for anybody who may not be tuned in yet. Uh, who's on the ballot this year and why does it matter? Thanks, Sean. Well, I really think that your last question is the most important. Why does this election matter? And simply put, uh, this is our best and potentially only opportunity to get some type of, um, you know, protection for our clients' rights here in Ohio. We have three seats uh, up on the ballot this year. And uh, winning just one of these associate justice races uh, could mean all the difference in the balance of the Supreme Court. I don't know how many years, but it has probably not been in my practice where we've had uh, a fair uh, and open Supreme Court. And so having the opportunity to, to shift the balance this year in a, our otherwise uh, very Republican controlled state could be a significant uh, win for our clients. The, the candidates that we have, so we have the chief justice race, uh, which is currently we have uh, Justice Jennifer Bruner, who is serving already on the Supreme Court, running against Justice Sharon Kennedy. We also have in the associate justice races, we have a fantastic lawyer and appellate judge, Marilyn Zayas. She's currently serving on the first appellate district in Cincinnati, running against incumbent Pat DeWine. Uh, Justice Zayas worked in the private sector before going back to law school because she because she felt like she could make a bigger difference. Um, and this has ultimately led her to the bench where she uh, is currently serving in the Cincinnati area. Pat DeWine is Governor Mike DeWine's son. Uh, he's a controversial candidate in that he didn't have very much experience before taking the bench. Um, 
and they his ability to hear cases that involve his father's uh, policies and involvement has also been questioned. The other associate justice race features Terry Jamison, who's currently serving on the appellate bench for the 10th District of Ohio. Terry was in private practice before serving as a domestic trial court judge here in Franklin County. Uh, from there, she was elected to the appellate court. But like Judge Zayas, she worked in the private sector before going back to law school and brings a great wealth of experience from both careers to the bench. Judge Jamison is running against Pat Fisher. Pat Fisher first served on the appellate court in Hamilton County before being elected to the Supreme Court in 2017. He's running for his second term. Now, Stuart, uh, in Michigan, uh, my understanding is there's two open seats with five candidates running for those two seats. Tell us about the structure of Michigan Supreme Court races and how they're set up a little bit differently than Ohio's. So the uh, the Michigan Supreme Court has uh, seven justices, and the way it's currently uh, constituted, uh, it's four three in favor of the Democrats, which uh, happened uh, in the last election, which turned the court around after some very dark years, decades of dark times in, in Michigan. And the two seats that are up this year, one Democrat, one Republican, and even though they run in the non, on the nonpartisan section of the ballot, they're appointed or they're uh, nominated by the parties. So um, there are two Democrats running and basically two Republicans uh, that are running. The, the two Democrats are the incumbent Justice Richard Bernstein, who has quite a story. He is blind, um, but he's really an incredible guy. He runs in marathons. He, he uh, during COVID, he spent some time in Dubai doing some good work there uh, uh, with, with uh, people with disabilities. So all the while keeping up on his docket in, in, uh, in Michigan. So he's a very, very accomplished individual. And he comes from a family that uh, has the largest plaintiff's personal injury firm or one of the largest plaintiff personal injury firms in the state. So uh, he comes from a long line of plaintiff personal injury lawyers. The other Democrat on the ballot is Kyra Harris Bolden, who, uh, who if she wins, would be the first African-American woman on the Supreme Court. She's currently a state representative. Uh, she's been in private practice. She's a clerk for a judge. Um, and she's incredibly impressive. She just had a baby. She was campaigning while she was pregnant just had a baby about a month ago, and she's she's incredible. Um, uh, the Republican is Brian Zara. He's a, currently uh, a justice of the Supreme Court. He's a Republican. I'll just leave it at that. And the other Republican is someone by the name of Paul Hudson, who's a practicing attorney. Uh, justice Zara has been on the court for quite some time. Justice Bernstein is running for his second eight-year term on the court. Um, I believe Justice Bernstein is up in the polls, and uh, Kyra Harris Bolden, the last I heard, was down about four points. So she's within striking distance. Um, so we're all very encouraged about that. Uh, we we not only want to keep our four uh, our majority, which is now four to three, but we want to increase it. 
So we're we're all keeping our fingers crossed on on that. By the way, uh, does Michigan have an age restriction for serving as a judge? It's uh, yes. You cannot run after your 70th birthday. So we don't have to worry about that for a long time with either one of uh, our candidates. How about Ohio? Does Ohio have the have a- We have the same. Okay. That has that has taken away some some otherwise great folks recently. Yeah, sometimes it works your way and sometimes <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, Stuart, I know that um, you you talked about recently the the current makeup of the court, uh, and my understanding is that shifted in 2020. Um, Talk to us about uh, MAJ's role in in creating that shift to the current 4-3 makeup. So MAJ has been really instrumental in these Supreme Court races. Justice Elizabeth Welch uh, won and, and, and shifted the balance of the court uh, our way. And we were very involved in supporting her in both uh, financially and otherwise. Uh, she was an excellent candidate. She's an excellent justice. And similarly, MAJ is, you know, the court. The court shifted in our direction in large part because of, of what MAJ does. And I have to give a shout out to our executive director, Steve Pontoni, because, I mean, without him, it wouldn't have happened in 2020. And if it happens this year, it wouldn't have happened without him either. So uh, we are extremely involved and our executive director is very involved. And when you say involved, is that code for money? Well, money and you know, helping to pick who we think the best candidates are, um, you know, that, that's a part of it too. You, you, anybody could run for anything. Doesn't mean they're going to win. It's, it's picking candidates that can win. And I think we've been really good at doing that. How strong is the Democratic Party in Michigan? And, and do you work with the party, I think, as you said, to select these candidates? Well, you know, the party has a role in it, but I think I think they recognize that when it comes to these races, nobody knows these issues and these candidates better than us. So I think there's a lot of deference that's given to MAJ. Um, certainly the Democratic Party is a partner in these races. There's a coordinated campaign and they include uh, these candidates on all, all the literature that goes around. So they're they're a very good partner with us. And, um, you know, so far, keep our fingers crossed. uh, We've been successful. Actually, before 2020, we had another um, candidate that won. So we're we're kind of on a roll here and we're hoping we continue. That's something I'm really proud of about Ohio's involvement in this election. Um, You know, we too had... uh, gotten the attention of the party and and other interested groups in seeking out uh, good candidates, vetting their decisions, meeting with them well before um, they had announced their candidacies and and potentially recruiting people to run. Um, As Stuart said, you know, we are in the best position to know how these folks uh, can impact 
the, the legal environment in Ohio. And so I appreciate chairwoman Liz Walters in uh, allowing us to participate in that program. And I think it's also helped OAJ members feel more invested in the outcome. And, and one of the biggest things I'm proud about with Ohio, and as much as I hate to give a Michigan fan uh, any credit, Steve Pontoni. No, no, no. Well, yeah, I saw Michigan it was Sparty. It was Sparty. No, not, you don't have to worry about no, it. No, not Michigan. But 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 Steve Pontoni is a Michigan fan, but he has really been helpful in educating us in Ohio and telling us how how they've been successful in Michigan um, and, and really gotten us to a point um, where we have learned that these financial contributions make a huge difference. Um, and, and Ohio, for the first time, has stepped up and we have raised over a million dollars to invest in these races because of the significant impact impact it can have on our practices and our clients. And I'm very, very proud of that. So we have we have a really kind of an interesting dynamic that's going to happen with our with our Supreme Court after the election. Our Chief Justice, Bridget McCormick, who's fantastic. I mean, just couldn't ask for a better justice, couldn't ask for a better Chief Justice. She announced that she's uh, going to step down from the court. And uh, as you know, we have a Democratic governor, uh, Gretchen Whitmer, and who uh, I believe is going to win re-election. And if she doesn't, then we're all in trouble. But um, so Governor Whitmer is going to appoint Justice McCormick's successor after the election. And MAJ, you know, we have a Judicial Qualifications Committee. And we interview these for all the various uh, judicial appointments that the governor's going to make, whether they're district court, circuit court, court of appeals, and now it's going to be the Supreme Court. So we're going to be weighing in on that. So we are going to get a, a new justice, regardless of the outcome of this election. Um, uh, it'll be an appointment before the end of the year by Governor Whitmer, and we're going to be very involved in, in, in that process as well. And how long will the uh, new appointee have before they have to run again? I believe the uh, they'll have to run in 2024. Okay. Uh, uh, speaking of the future and, and the races in Ohio, Sydney, do we have any sense, any kind of polling that, that uh, gives us an idea of where we're headed or what it looks like now? Well, you know, Ohio in the past um, has not had party designation of the candidates on the ballot. So this is gonna be a really interesting year uh, for those reasons alone. Um, but what we're seeing is that there's still about 30% of uh, voters that are undecided. So that's a, you know, a significant portion. However, um, I know that the Siena College issued uh, or uh, released results of a poll back at the end of September, only pertaining to the chief justice race between Justice Bruner and Justice Kennedy. And that was, uh, they were evenly tied at 40%. So uh, we have a real chance in these elections. We're doing some other work with some, some partners that are showing us that uh, these efforts are really making a difference. And we definitely have some positive momentum going in our favor. So Sydney, I have a question for you. And yeah. in your races, do the incumbent justices, um, does the ballot reflect that they're an incumbent justice? 
Not to my knowledge. Uh, so in Michigan, um, if you're an incumbent judge, whatever level judge you are, it will say, so in the Supreme Court race, it'll say, for example, Richard Bernstein, justice of the Supreme Court. So that's a that's a huge advantage. So for Justice Bernstein, that's an advantage. But we're trying to de- defeat Justice Zara. So he has that advantage. So it's uh, kind of a, an interesting dynamic in our races. That is interesting. We have a court of appeals judge that was recently appointed um, that we love and we're, we're trying to retain her. So she's going to have the designation, you know, judge of the court of appeals. So we're kind of in that race, want the incumbent to win. And in the Supreme Court, want one incumbent to win and one incumbent not to win. Huh. Um you know, so the 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 incumbency designation kind of changes the the the, the it, whole. Situation. It can it can affect, but it can go both ways. Like you were saying before, and you know, in Ohio, uh, there was some consternation on the part of Justice Sharon Kennedy of having the Republican designation appear on the ballot after her name because I think she knew uh, just by carrying the name of uh, Kennedy, she was probably picking up some uninformed Democratic voters who thought that by, just by the name Kennedy, she must have been a Democrat. Um, so that that's going to be a really interesting race to see how uh, you know she's performed in the past, and now you know how she performs this year with the Republican designation. So, if <laughs> if someone votes, for example, a straight Democratic ticket, that picks up these Democratic judges. Yes. See that our judges are on the nonpartisan ballot, and that's a real a real. There's a huge drop off because a lot of people will vote a straight ticket. And they don't even go to the nonpartisan section of the ballot. And we've really, in in years past, have had to educate voters. We would be out at the polls, you know, explaining people as they're walking in, don't forget to finish your ballot. And, uh, you know, but now now that's kind of shifted from doing that at the polls to protecting democracy and protecting the vote at the polls. Well, I got to say, in 2020, the entire strategy was focused on finishing your ballot, because, again, that was before the designation was appearing, and uh, it proved to be uh, a quite impactful strategy getting Justice Bruner elected. Well, Sydney and Stuart, thanks so much for uh, joining us here today. This has been a great discussion. Good luck, Sydney. Thank you, Sean. Good luck, Sean. Good luck, Stuart. Everybody needs to vote. Yes. This year's election, before we forget, is November 8th in Ohio. Uh, Early and absentee voting has already begun. If you need any voting resources, check out oajustice.org slash oajvotes, where you can find links to request an absentee ballot, locate your early voting center, and more. And obviously, as we've heard today, there's a lot at stake on the ballot this year. So make sure to get out on or before November 8th. Uh, For all our listeners out there, if you like our podcast, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you here on the next episode of Civilly Speaking.